I'm going to die. I'm going to die historic on the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Mad Max Fury Road. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome, everyone, to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the Colossus of Bogoro, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, Matt, the Mad Deck Boski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm on the Fury Road today. Rick. I'm glad to hear that. It is... Yep. My birthday pick now, one of two birthday movies that I got to pick, a Rick's pick. We're going to switch things up for some some scheduling issues, but today we are talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Cannot wait to dive into this. Let's cover some business first, though. Last week, we had an episode on A Little Miss Sunshine, and it was another great one. So check that one out or any of our library we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's very easy and very helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that one, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always, always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old blood bag bruce wayne would say tell your friends about us but now let's die historic on that fury road mad max fury road is a 2015 uh, action movie directed in capital a action movie directed by george miller it stars tom hardy as mad max charlize theron as furiosa nicholas holt as nux and hugh keys burn as immortan joe as well as a bunch of uh, recognizable actresses at, as a Morton Joe's wife, the concubine, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it yep. made $374.7 million on a $185 million budget. It's got an 8.1 on IMDb, a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 90% on Metacritic. Wow, they liked it. They loved it. Uh, Ebert says, still dead, no review. Uh, <laughs> Every time you say that, I always fall for it. I'm like, what is he going to say? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Joe Morgenstern from the Wall Street Journal, who's been our negative review a couple of times, but he did like this one. Uh, a gleefully violent and improbably feminist phantasmagoria that turns epic road rage and long stretches of vehicular omnicide into an eye-boggling joyride. Uh, wow. He's, he's got a fucking thesaurus next to him. He d- oh, yeah. Uh, Lindsay Barr of the AP says 30 years after Miller gave the world Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, he's returned to his own post-apocalyptic world and created an exceptional, fearless, and poetic masterpiece that's primed to become a modern classic. For a negative one, Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle says, 
two hours of action scenes that are well-crafted and entirely lacking in suspense and with some clever but fake-looking special effects, which is way off base in my opinion. Uh, But let's talk about what happens in the movie. Derek, do you have a song prepared or are we just, uh, we just counting me down? We're just going to do some countdowns here. Okay. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Mad Max is captured by the Citadel, an outpost run by a warlord called Immortan Joe. He's used as a blood donor for one of his war boys. Imperator Furiosa liberates uh, Joe's wives, attempting to take them to the green place where she grew up. Max escapes and eventually assists them. Nux, the war boy, also defects to their side. After an immense struggle of losses, they arrive at the green place only to find that it has been destroyed. The party and their allies decide to go back to the Citadel and rule from there since there's plant life and clean water. They kill Immortan Joe and destroy his war party. When they arrive, Furiosa takes leadership and Max just leaves 30 yeah a lot more to get into um uh definitely an action movie that uh while being one of the crazier action movies to ever be created uh also uh, there's there's a lot of depth there and we will get into it um derek is we didn't talk about this is this the first time you've seen this movie or had you seen it before this is the second time I've seen it. Second I time. did watch it when it came out. You saw it in theaters. Um, I don't know if I saw it in theaters or not. I can't remember. I was just thinking about that earlier. Um, I don't know why I can't place if, if I did or not, because I would have seen it with Gia, and she definitely haven't, hasn't seen it, which makes me think it might have been one of those things that she went to bed, and I stayed up and watched this movie on like, okay. you know, on TV. So I think that's this, what happened. But yeah, second time. This is a movie that was made to be seen on a big fucking screen. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about what we liked about it. Let's, as we do each week, let's go through our top three favorite scenes. Derek, what is your number three scene? All right. So before we get into the top three scenes, this movie is very odd for yes. choosing scenes. Yeah. Because it really just runs into one another in one big kind of, thing so it, the whole movie is a chase the whole yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it's a little bit unorthodox what i'm doing here but my num- because i really couldn't pinpoint three specific scenes um my number three is just going to be I, i'm just trying to figure out how to word it but it's not it, maybe it should be more of like my top three characters but i feel like the landscape itself the desert yeah. um in general and the way it's filmed and the way it's shot and the way it's supposed to be perceived is my number three um it's like we basically see this the whole movie except for you know bits and pieces where like you know in the very beginning they they you know there is some grass and stuff and there's the waterfall and all that stuff and then again we see it at the end but the bulk of the movie is just this desert there's like haunting yeah apocalyptic world and i think that um in general i think that because it's it's basically all we see it becomes a scene or a character within itself of like not only are you fighting with each other and killing each other in these crazy car chases, but you're also with this, like this draining waterless desert that just surrounds you forever. Yeah. And, and, I, know, and that, I don't know if, I don't know if you caught it. Cause I think some people don't the part where they like, they talk about like the, the salts, the great salts, yep. that's the ocean that is yep, dried yep, up. Yep. So it's like, there's just no hope in this world. Other than right, that, that'd be that'd be yeah. interesting to really see because I I have always had a fascination 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 with 
the ocean and what's underneath the ocean. Um, and, you know, for me, it's like I would spend uh, hours up at night just lying in bed wondering what would happen if the oceans were emptied and how far and deep we could go and what's down there really in caves and stuff. So it would have been kind of neat to see, you know, maybe someday if they do a sequel or something, if they, if they a, actually can shoot. There is a sequel and a prequel in development right now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Because yeah. that would be cool to see, like, a, if that's the truth and the ocean has dried up. Yeah. It'd be cool to see, like, so, that landscape of how so we do know we do know that... So the, the framing devices of these movies basically are, like, they're being told to us by, like, future... <clears throat> by uh like future storytellers so whatever this is we know in the you know in the world society eventually rebuilds itself to the point where they can like tell stories about mad max yeah i think there's like there's like credits like there's like quotes at the beginning it's like the first storyteller something like that's attributed to a fictional character that doesn't exist yet in this this universe right right gotcha um yeah. So my uh, my number three scene um, again very tough because and we'll get to sort of why uh, once we get closer to number one. But um, it, there's not very many scenes to to choose from. Um, I went with the one of the the quieter scenes actually. There's like two kind of quiet scenes, and the one that I chose was. I'm going to sort of loop in when they reach the many mothers and they explain to them why, like, there is no green place. There is, there is no hope. Right. And they, but really what, what I like is the scene afterwards when it's, it's night and there we kind of see like they, we take a breath finally and like we take stock of like what the relationships are in the, in the movie, you know, it's like, you have that scene with like the, the one, like the older woman who is carrying the seeds around. And it's like, it, that tells you so much about that character just by something she, she's carrying around. Yep. Yep. You know, it's so economical, you know, and they just the way that, um, I I forget the character's name, but the um, the way that Nux and uh, the character played by uh, his kind of love interest there, who is uh, played by Riley Keough, who is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Um, they're kind of like finding solace in each other. Yep. And they're they're they are both victims of a Morton Joe and, and victims of a very harsh patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a, it's such a beautiful way that those two characters find each other in bizarre circumstances. Right. Um, and then you have Furiosa who is finally being like Max, like Furiosa and Max kind of regarding each other as more than utilities to each other you know like they they finally it's like you can come with us if you want 
And it's like, they're, they're finally recognizing each other and Max eventually being like, no, we can do, we can do better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what, so that, that whole part, that's number three scene. What is your, what is your number two? Uh, my number two is actually anytime we see that crazy fucking guitar dude. Yes. The doof um, warrior. It's just like, what in the hell? Like, yeah. I remember when I first saw it, that was one of the things that really, really stood out to me. I was just like, what the hell? And it, it's a really cool concept, actually. Um, it's just, it's their like, it's their like, you know, marching music. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, how do we take this up a notch instead of there being just drums and like a, you know, a war cry? It's this dude with these like, I don't know, there's like a million speakers behind him. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all different. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> excuse me, there's like four or six drummers behind him and he's just wailing on this double neck guitar and yeah. it's just it's just wild and crazy shit man it's just like uh, you see him a couple times throughout the movie and then at one point he gets involved like in the fight and stuff and it's pretty hilarious yeah um, and even like the last image of like the chases in the movie are is his guitar like coming at the screen yeah uh, yeah you know, that would be really cool to see obviously in theaters you know that that, that kind of thing was this movie ever in 3d it seems like it was, but I don't, I didn't see it in 3D. Right. But it seems like some of those shots are designed to be in 3D. Right. But yeah, that's my number two. It's just anytime we see the crazy guitar, dude. Yeah. Um, I, my number two is the, it's the opening 15 minutes when, again, like within, I timed it because I wanted to see like how soon before we get to a chase and it's 15 minutes. And it does such a great job of establishing what this world is and who these characters are. Nux is a zealot. Max is just being literally dragged into this. Furiosa is like a liberator, you know? Uh, and Morton Joe is a tyrant and a despot and a, like just the, the worst kind of toxic human. You know, when he's like, when he says, you know, the the line in this where he like, he gives the the people water, but he says like, don't become dependent on water. I forget exactly what the line is, but it's like, don't become addicted to water. You'll miss, you'll resent its absence. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. And it's just like, we need, we need it to live. Yeah. I don't care about that. And you see like the, the way that they, they cast like his sons they're either like deformed or just idiots yeah you know and it's just like the the very like product of this man is toxic yep you know and it's it's and like the the opening i mean there is kind of a chase where max tries to escape and he's just he's caught and you just see this world through this he's being chased through hallways and he's like trying to escape through like swing on a chain and you see like um you know you he, you kind of see like an overview of the citadel and like what this is so I, I just think it's very impressive how they do that and how george miller crafted that so what is your number one uh, i guess my number one would just be the kind of final battle um it's very cool. intense it's very action-packed um it's just very gritty it's filmed really well i just can't imagine the people who are actually behind the cameras on whatever 
fucking crazy mechanics that they're on to try to follow this thing. Um, and then to piece it together at the end must have been crazy as far as the editing goes. But we get some some big deaths here. It's kind of the uh, the end for um, Nux. He kind of, I guess, sacrifices himself. Yeah. Um, kind of a, you know, sad, I guess, sad moment. Um, and then uh, Joe gets killed and his like face gets ripped off, which is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I saw the movie and, you know, when it first came out, thought it was really, really good. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, and then I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I, I do follow another podcast that hasn't really been active for a while, but it was, it's uh, the What Say You podcast with uh, Sal Volcano and, and uh, Brian Quinn of Practical Jokers. And there's an episode that they have where they talk about Mad Max and they, I guess they went to go see it together. And I think it was Sal who was like, hey, I didn't see what happened to the villain. What happened to him? And, and Q was like, yeah, if you literally blink, you'll, you yeah. won't even see his death. That is how quick it happens. Because Sal was like, I went down to drink my drink and I looked up and I was like, what happened to Joe? And he's just like, you missed it. It's that quick. So because of that, I remembered, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this again. Don't miss it because it's, it's quick. You know what I mean? So I made sure to watch it. And I was like, damn, that is really quick. It just yeah. happens and it's gone. But it's a very uh, intense scene. His fucking face gets like ripped off and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. But, because, um, because I think yeah. it's that actually, that choice, I think ultimately lends itself to, to my reading of the movie, right? And what this movie to me is truly about is how to be, and I think, it, I think this is actually very important today, right? It's how to be most effectively an ally towards oppressed people, right? The oppressors, when it comes to it, they don't deserve a glorious death, right? They're just obstacles on the way, right? And when, you know, just killing the Morton Joe, he's he's nothing you know compared to the like the 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 monumental struggle that these women go through to to take power and the movie really is about max assisting these women and when he does he doesn't stick around to take credit he just lets society better itself and is is happy to know that he had helped Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I love that this movie so much because it's you know we I've used it even now you hear the term toxic masculinity tossed around so much and rightfully so we see it a lot this is a movie about non toxic masculinity about constructive masculinity uh, and that's that's how I see it um, that being said. My number one scene is all the chases. Yeah. Because it's so fucking cool. Yeah. You know, you talked about the Doof Warrior. Uh, you t- I remember what I posted on Facebook after I saw this movie. I posted every movie, every good movie shows you something you've never seen before. And Mad Max Fury Road is an excellent movie based on that. Yep. Like the guys on stilts, like practical effects. They just like this. There wasn't like computer animated. They just have like guys on stilts doing these crazy stunts. You yep. know, the 
the scene where we're like Nux and Max and the, the war boys are like blowing alcohol into the engine to like get mm. the cars to go faster. That like it's every, every scene is just packed with these crazy images that it's just, if there was no subtext, it would be a very cool action movie. And, but, and, yeah, and there's very little subtext, and that's something that you see. Know, I, di- I disagree. It, I think it's a very rich subtext in this movie. I think I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll get to that. I mean, as far as like characterization and things like that. But I guess my point is, though, it doesn't really need it as much because it is fine without it. But if you know that, yeah. that's the way I feel about it anyway. Yeah. So it, it, again, even if it didn't have that, which I think it does, and we'll talk about that as we go on, it would be a cool fucking movie. But the fact that it marries those two things are great, and and like just the fact that. Like the filming of this movie was apparently like a nightmare because from actors and crew perspective, they were just going out to the desert and shooting a bunch of random stunts. Right. And like um, George Miller had to be like, no, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, It's going to make sense. And like he was the only one to see it, but we'll we'll get to that. I'm sure. So let's talk about those. So that's our top three scenes. Let's talk about our least favorite part. I don't really have one. I think this is like, this is a masterpiece. This is, we, we talked about this when we did The Thing, which is a radically different movie. But sometimes a movie can succeed so thoroughly in what it's trying to do that it's kind of tough to like criticize it, you know? Like right. that you know, the, the, the negative review they got was like, it doesn't have any suspense and the special effects look fake. That, like that blows my mind. Well, because, I, well like, I definitely, I definitely agree with the first, I mean, I disagree with the second part. Yeah. The special yeah, effects the can't that, fuck with it. Cannot fuck with yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, come on. They, they, they don't look fake. They did a great job with that. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a silly statement. Um, right. But, the, but when they say it like lacks suspense, like yeah, I to an extent you're right, but this movie is not meant to be suspenseful. This this movie is meant to be like an adrenaline rush, and I remember when you know the first after the first chase scene, right when they go into the the big death, dust storm. I remember looking around my theater and. You could tell the people that were on the same like wavelength as me. You ever see that meme with Chris Pratt and he's got that like huge smile on his face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like me and like 10 other people in theater all looking around being like, am I fucking seeing? Like, did I just see that? Is this real? Like, what, what is this that I'm seeing? Like, our minds couldn't even wrap around it yet. Mm-hmm. But sounds like you have some, uh, some things you want to talk about. Yeah, I will, well, first I will say that I agree with you when you say that it succeeds in what it does. That that's a no brainer um, because what does it? What is it trying to do? And that's the big thing that we kind of decipher in all the episodes that we do for movies are like, did it do what it was trying to do? Because sometimes you can tell in a movie where you're like, yeah, you can tell there was a couple missteps. The script was fucked up. You can kind of tell there was some scenes that didn't make sense. This whole movie from beginning to end is exactly what they made and exactly what they wanted to make. Um, so it, it succeeds in all those levels. There's a couple of things that I think that, again, I don't think they hurt the movie, 
but I just noticed this in general. So I, I think I, I put them in my worst, but I don't necessarily think they need to be. They're just kind of comments, I guess, but they belong in this category more than any other category. Sure. Um, so the first thing is just characters are barely fleshed out. And we kind of already touched upon of they don't really need to be, really. Um, it's not that kind of movie where like you need to know everybody's backstory. That's not really important to this, um, which is absolutely fine. I did just notice that like that ties into like my next one, which is like, it kind of threw me, not threw me off, but like at the end of the movie when Charlize Theron, Theron uh, when, when she's dying and like Max like just knows all this medical stuff, I was like, for me, it would have been kind of cool to get some sort so, of a backstory. As so no, no, he, like, it's not that, that he knows medical stuff. That goes back to the beginning of the movie where they like tattoo on him that he's a universal blood donor. But it, to me, it's still like he knows what he's and doing. And also he's and a just kind of. Right. So he does right. have well, some, it, yeah. And yeah. that's, that, that would be like the one downfall of jumping into this as a sequel. It doesn't have a ton in common with the, the first three, but there is, or first four, I think three or four. Um, but that does give you a bit more information about Max. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess the other thing that kind of bothered me was, I don't know if it bothers me, but I'm just trying to think of decisions and choices that could have been made. Um, I'm not saying that I agree with this. I, I, well, let me put it this way. I'm just going to put the question out there. Should Charlize Theron's character have lived? Um, yes. For, I, I, I just think her, like, look, I literally thought she died, honestly. And then all of a sudden she was walking and I was like, oh, oh, she's, she's alive. And so, I just thought, like, you know, I just felt like, I don't know, something else could have been done there. Him being quick in his feet and helping her, fixing her, and then her being alive. I think it was almost just like, just done so, too fast. Think about this movie, the story of this movie, and like how it's trying to be told. Because this is something we have to think about where it's like, how is this story being conveyed to us? And visually, it's telling a lot. But really, what these Mad Max stories are, are someone, imagine someone sitting around the campfire to tell you, a, a t- spin you a tale, right? you don't necessarily get into the granular details of characters when you're telling that story. But what this movie does is it gives you a lot of backstory visually. So you can fill in those blanks, right? So Furiosa, for instance, you can tell a lot by her backstory, a, by the fact that she has a fake arm and they don't talk about it at all. So you know she's a fighter. And they very purposely at the beginning of the movie show that she has a Morton Joe's brand on her. So she started out as one of his concubines. And that's one of the things that impresses that impresses me so much about this movie is in the way that it reveals things about um, you know, I had this as miscellaneous actually as well. Like when you, when they take off like the chastity belts and the chastity belts are, are like have like gnarly fucking teeth and like spikes on them that tells you a lot about a Morton Joe and the kind of guy he is mm. and like why he's obsessing over these women you know like what it, i i i think what you're looking for it it is kind of a non-traditional movie in a lot of ways now as far as furiosa I don't think she can die in the movie for it to make sense with the 
like philosophy of how it's trying to tell like this this movie is about destroying the patriarchy right right no I, and, and that's and that's understood i think yeah ultimately th- this movie doesn't have a downfall but what i am saying is that i just feel like when characters do die or they come close to dying i don't care and that that might be a problem even though it's a different type of movie movie in the way it's being told and everything but like characters being fleshed out slightly more might might have given it that whole suspense that doesn't necessarily need but as far as characters dying and caring about characters that's one thing that's important about any movie is that you need to care about your characters and honestly i didn't know enough about any of them to really give a shit if they died or not and i think that's the only thing that really kind of bothered me about this movie and that's kind of why i think for me it's more of like an a minus than an a um but other than that i mean that's like my only problem with it all right well let's go to uh let's go to medals uh who do you have for bronze uh, my bronze went to the Tom Hardy. Um, I think I think we can both agree everything he's in, he just captures the camera. Yeah. He captures the scene. He's just he's just one of those guys you like to look at, straight or homosexual, doesn't matter. He's just a guy you like to look at, <laughs> and not even because of you know maybe his lavishing good looks or his build. It's just he's a good actor, and he just has something about him. He has that it factor. Um, whatever it is, you know, everything I've seen him in and friggin' he, 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 and he's also the master of like dialect and, 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 and the way he speaks yeah. and stuff. He sounds different in almost every movie, um, you know, or TV show that he's in. He's, he's, he's a spectacular actor. So he gets my bronze. Yeah. Um, so I have for my bronze, Nicholas Holt. And I think to your point, I think if there is a character that we kind of grow and change with, it is Nux. Right. Like I think his his death, if I had to guess, his death was probably the most affecting in the movie for you. Because uh yeah. Because we do start with him as you know, as just a, a complete zealot. And we kind of go on the journey with him as he kind of rejects the system that he was born into. Yep. And I, I just love his scenes and like we find out that he's he's dying. He has those tumors that are gonna kill him. So, you know, he's there, even if he, when he sees the other sides of things, he, he helps knowing that there's not going to be a reward for him, you know, and it, and I think it says a lot about sort of the, the worst parts of organized religion, because you can substitute so many, like, So many, so many, uh, like, religions, patriarchal religions are based on this great reward if you sacrifice yourself or just punishment if you don't. And Nux's right. story in this is coming to terms with the fact that sometimes you help because it's the right thing to do. Yep. Right, right. And you, and, and you, that's how you grow as a person. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, and I think... It, this is a very different role than what Nicholas Holt usually plays. Like he, he usually tends to go like almost like aristocratic type characters or like high class type characters. And this guy, yep. Nux is low class. He's the lowest class. Yeah. Player. He's, he's ground beef in the war machine. Like he really he, shows his range in this role. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's not something that I would have pegged him for, but I, I think he knocks it out of the park. 
Uh, you know what it's kind of it's kind of like Rick. It's kind of like his casting choice. It almost sounds like one of our casting choices. Like, yeah. Rick, hear me out. What if Nicholas Holt played Nux? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's what it seems like. It's one of our things because it's yeah. kind of a weird role for him. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, and I, I bet he really pushed for it. If I had to guess. Um, but yeah, who's your uh, who's your silver? Uh, my silver goes to Charlize Theron. Um, I think she's a masterful actress. Everything I've seen her in, she's a powerhouse. Um, she's not somebody that you put in a movie just to be one of the characters. She's usually like the main thing or very close to it. You know, the things I've seen her in in the past, I think the first thing I've ever seen her in is a movie we're going to be doing in the future, The Devil's Advocate. And she's, she stands toe-to-toe with Al Pacino. She stands toe to toe with Keanu Reeves. Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> Al, Al. Are you we'll saying about you late? Charlize stands toe to toe with me. Listen, listen, Al. We get it. We get it. You know, and, and, and you know what? If Marlon Brando was here, he would say probably the same shit. Hey. <sighs> I don't think you understand. I don't think you know anything about movies. Marlon, Marlon, he's not right for this movie. Yeah, you, you, I mean, he could have played a Mortis Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, I can it see works. it. I can, it I can see works. that. Um, I bet him but, and George Miller would have got along because they were just like, "What if we just did this weird fucking thing?" And they'd be like, "Well, George, George would also be like, listen, Marlon." There's really no lines for you, so to speak. Just say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, just yell and scream and get mad. He's like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Charlize Theron, um, she's great. Uh, I, I think that she's the, the, the most important part of the movie. Um, yes. As far as characters go. It's, so, yeah. So my silver is a tie between Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron because they are kind of the two main characters, right? For a movie yeah. called Mad Max, you could argue that Max is not the main character of the movie. Yeah, sure. Um, and they bring such different energies to the film to the point where like the actors did not get along. And I think they, they both kind of acknowledge now that it was like, hey, it was a really difficult situation that we were in. Right. And we just ended up presenting each other for that time. They're, they're probably yeah, not like the best of friends right now, but I think they like, they get over it. Because I guess the, the kind of the story goes that Charlize Theron is an actress who's like, I'm on time. I hit my marks. I know my lines. Like, I'm not fucking around here. I'm very professional. And Tom Hardy is more of like, this is my art. I'm going to need, I'm going to do what I need to do to get where I need to be. Right. Right. And if that means getting an extra hour of, uh, extra hour of sleep, I'm going to do that. If that means you know, ad living a little bit more. If that means, uh, you know, being a little bit difficult, I'll do that if I have to. So, yeah. And I think, I think Tom Hardy kind of fits in the same mold of like a Shia LaBeouf nowadays too, of like the two of them are in that category of actors who are like, Oh, I'm not going to go traditional if that's what you want. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should mention Shia LaBeouf because they were in a movie together and apparently yes. fought each other. They Shia- apparently got Sh- into a fist fight, which yeah, it's, supposedly it's Shia won. It's not true. Shia knocked him out by accident. Tom Hardy said it on Hot Ones. Mm. Um, mm. Apparently, according to Tom Hardy, he was like, we were just kind of screwing around and he knocked me out, but it wasn't a real fight. That's mm. what he says. So, I feel like that's what I, I mean, would say if Shia LaBeouf knocked me out too. 
I mean, <laughs> he's, I mean, he, he gives him props. He's like, I'm not going to lie. He has like a, a good left, a left hook yeah. or whatever, but he's like, and who knows? Maybe Tom is just trying to play it down. So he doesn't look like he lost yeah. the fight, but, um, but anyways, no, but yeah, they, they bring such different energies to the movie, but it works. They play off each other. And I really, yeah. I think this watch really did appreciate those characters relationship a lot more. The two of them are like Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> Charlize is like, Tom, I'm not going to sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the greatest things yeah. ever. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, they like, I am so Charlize. Uh, so, yeah, the, the sequels, I mean, Tom Hardy, I believe. The prequel is more is further along. I I think it started shooting. It's actually um, popular recasting choice that we use. Anya Taylor Joy is playing a younger Furiosa. Um, okay. And I believe Tom Hardy's going to be be Max again once you know if they get around to that. So I'm I'm very excited to see where this franchise goes. Uh, but uh, Gold, of course, goes to the aforementioned Al Pacino. Pacino takes the takes the cake yeah. here. I mean, he's. I think he plays, you know, one of Nux's brothers very well. <laughs> the, so yeah, the uh, Corpus Colossus, the uh, the little person who's uh, sits at the uh, sits at the telescope. That's Al Pacino. Yep, yep. Perfect role for him. Yep. Oh no! Seems like Furiosa's back again. <laughs> this is this is very much uh the uh fong foghorn leghorn al pacino <laughs> hey guys did you see Ooh. who's back it's furiosa <laughs> all right so i assume your gold is probably the same as mine but you could surprise me if you have for gold uh george miller yes um bottom line it looked like a fucking train wreck to make this movie and he he he, he passed with flying colors <laughs> Um, and I, I disagree with what that reviewer says about the, the action, the way things look. Um, I didn't think things looked fake at all, uh, personally. And, and I, I, I think I, I, I think you and I both have kind of a keen eye for that too. We're like, we watched enough movies where we're like, okay, that looks like shit. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. And I think maybe that guy just has a, uh, fucking a, a problem with somebody in the movie or something. Cause it's kind of just doesn't, it doesn't seem right to me that like a movie that, does action so well that he could be like, no, nope, it looks fake. Like, okay, well, what looks real to you then? Yeah. Please tell me which movie because this is bullshit. And, and it's um, like, but... it's the craziest thing is that they fucking did it. Like, it's not like it's bad CGI. There's CGI in the movie, of course, but these stunts are like real stunts. You know, this is not fucking Legolas running up an elephant trunk, you know? Uh, right. This is, yeah, this is a guy on a stilt fucking reaching down and grabbing an actress. Like, it's, it's wild. Uh, that's it's that's a bizarre opinion, but yeah, my my gold is George Miller as well. This is a guy who came in with a vision that nobody else really got. Right? It the movie like kept going over budget. It was difficult because they were out in the desert. They had the all these stunt performers. They were filming things in a way that like as as an outsider of George Miller's brain, you were like, this is a mess. There's no way this is going to be edited into a coherent movie. Like, and that's why the set got tense. And George Miller the whole time was like, no, no, just trust me. I got this. Believe me, trust me. And they did. And it, you know, they, 
was fucking nominated for best picture. So they, they were rewarded. Uh, certainly. Um, so let's go to, let's go to recasting. Um, all right. So I, I, kind uh, we'll... of, I kind of did a thing by accident. Um, my initial, so I have, uh, Max Furiosa, Morton Joe, and Nux. I do as well. And I will say that I decided to make this an all female cast. Okay. Interesting. So I did an all Australian and New Zealand cast. Okay. And I, by doing that, I very much accidentally used a lot of Lord of the Rings actors. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, but we'll get to it. So let's, uh, let's start with Nux. Who do you have? Uh, my Nux goes to Michelle Rodriguez. Um, I was, uh, I guess. It would be an interesting role for her. It certainly would be. And I think that's why I went with her because uh, Nicholas Holt also felt like that'd be an interesting, interesting role for him. And yet he got it and did it well. So I'm thinking, let me take a chance here as well. And I, I, I went with the whole female cast because I think it would have worked just as well if it was all females too. Let me ask you this though. Is this, is your Immortan, Immortan Joanna, it, does, does she have like also a bunch of girls that he's chasing after? Does she's chasing after? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very female on. All the men are dead. This is in your world that in whatever yeah. apocalyptic universe this is. Yeah, all yeah. The men are I didn't okay. go. I didn't go into too much of like now. How is this going to work? I was just yeah. like, females are very badass in movies, and they should be more of it. And I, I really enjoy it. And I think that this is the type of movie where, like, because it's apocalyptic and because it's like the future and stuff, like this could work, and there could be a reason and all this stuff. So, right, absolutely. But so... Michelle Rodriguez, she's she's good at just doing um, roles where you're like, oh fuck, like she, I'm rooting for her, and then she dies. Some of the sweet purpose of Nux, because then she could die. And be like, oh, she died just like another movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I went with a an actor for Nux named Brenton Thwaites, who was Thwaites. In Thwaites. He was in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um. He's on. He's playing Nightwing on uh, HBO Max right now. Um. Just a, like an Australian actor of the the right age, who I think is is pretty talented. Who I think it'd be an interesting test, similar to what Nicholas Holt how he tested in this role. Let's see what he can do. Um, who do you have? Let's go, Morton Joe. Who do you have? I Morton went with, and, Yeah, I went with uh, Angelina Jolie. Okay, um, and I actually I kept the name Joe, um, and. I think that she's one of those actresses who you just love to hate in some movies. She has an ability to really make you fucking hate her in some of the things that she does. And especially in a movie, I think it was called Girl Interrupted. Have you seen that one? Where she's uh, yeah, like, yeah, she's, yeah. Of, that was kind yeah, of her big, just, like, mainstream Oscar moment, her introduction to, like. Yeah, yeah. She just has a thing about her where she's like, I'm in control because I can do it because I can. And I just picture her having the mask on and just having these like piercing eyes and being like, this is my fucking show. You understand? And I would believe it a hundred percent from the things that I've seen her in. So I kind of went with her for that. Uh, so my Morton Joe is uh, a guy we know can play a scumbag tyrant. And that is uh, John Noble, Denethor himself. Uh, just that, that voice I can is he is he going to be biting a cherry at any point during the movie? Well, he can't because his mouth's going to be covered. But I, one detail about this character that that I didn't mention is that like he puts on like the fucking plastic casing that makes makes him look muscular. Mm-hmm. It's just hilarious. It's like a great like little character detail, and it, like again, it just yeah, goes to yeah. show like 
you know, what this guy thinks of himself and what he wants people to think of him. Right. Who does that remind you of that really wants to put out in the world that he's a lot more physically fit than he is? Who could that be? Kind of a fat politician that for some reason people consider (laughs) very strong. Nothing's coming to mind, but, you know, weird. Weird that it came to mind. Uh, Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, I, I... I was just following you. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Uh, let's go. Furiosa. My Furiosa. I, it was tough because it being an all female cast, I wanted to make sure it was right. And um, I went with Jessica Alba. Interesting. And I, I think I went with her because I think she plays a lot of um, play it safe roles where she's like the pretty girl. And I feel like, there's always a point where I'm like, ah, man, she should just take the next step of being kind of like that badass, like a, like a Gal Gadot, something like that, or somebody in that realm. And uh, I just, I think I saw her recently and I was just like, she's also one of those actresses where she's just so gorgeous that like, you want to keep watching her as well. But I, I kind of wanted to see her in a badass role where she's really taken it, you know, and you're like, man, I believe her. So, you know, a- along with the Nux role of Michelle Rodriguez, I wanted um, to take a chance. So, yeah. Just a shot. So I kind of did the opposite, where kind of like we talked about uh, about uh, Nux and uh, you know how Nicholas Holt play usually plays a higher class type character. I wanted to drag somebody down into the muck a little bit, you know, okay. and someone who always plays seemingly very sophisticated, very upper class characters, uh, and that is Kate Blanchett. I'd love to see what she would do with Furiosa. She is badass. She's bad. Like, let's drag her down in the mud a little bit. Let's dirty her up. And let's see what she can do in that realm. Yeah, it's definitely different for her. Yeah. And she's got the chops to do it. So I'd love to see what oh. she does with it. Uh, if, if there was a definition of somebody who has chops, it would be Yeah. Her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who do you have for, uh, for Max? You know... Looking at it now, I think it's a little bit obvious. Maybe too too much on the nose. Mad Maxine, who do we have? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's Scarlett Johansson. Um, sure. And again, she's already Scarlett make a pretty good Furiosa. Actually, I feel like she she could be as yeah. well. But I just I I want to see. I love the scenes in the Marvel movies where she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like yeah. that kind of attitude of like, "You really think you can beat me?" Like the fight sequences where she's like tied up in a chair and she's like, "Give me a break." Yeah. Like, it's so cool to see her, like, I'm not just a side character. Like, I'm one of the Avengers. Like, I'm one of the OG ones. Yeah. I will kick your fucking balls in. And and you'll she'll do it. She'll do it with, like, class, too. So I was like, I could picture her upside down with a fucking thing over her face and being yeah. like, motherfucker, I got to get the fuck out of here. And then, like, just kicking the ass and just blazing through that movie. And at the end, like... You know, her and Jessica Alba, like, you know what I mean? Like, Jessica Alba's almost like, she's, she's badass, but she kind of looks like that pretty, like, damsel in distress almost type thing, even though she's a badass. But Skull your hands are just being like, fuck this shit. I want, I, I want to see more of that because I think she does it so well. Yeah, so my Max, so here's, so, so Max is kind of actually a tough character to, to cast because you, you'd think that, like, He's, he seems like he'd be a straightforward action role, but he's not, right? The two, character, two actors who have played him 
you know, say what you want about Mel Gibson, you know, on a personal level, but he similar uh, to Tom Hardy has like that, that little bit of crazy that you need for the character. Right. Yeah. Uh, which kind of cuts out, like not a lot of people have that. Right. You know, and I like toyed around, like I said, and I was sticking with Australia and New Zealand. I was like, none of the Hemsworths have that. Chris Hemsworth, great, but he doesn't have that fucking psychopath Clint in his eye. Um, so I went with somebody, I actually used him a couple of weeks ago. I forget for which role, but uh, Carl Urban, I think. You know, and I'm, I'm watching him in The Boys right now, which, which is yeah, back. I, great yeah, so far. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he can, he's got a, a wide range. And he can, he, I think he could, he, he's one of the few people who could conceivably do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's, it's funny. He's one of those actors where every time I mention his name, Gia goes, wait, who is that again? And I'm like, oh, we do this yeah. every time. It's like the 15th time. And I show her pictures of him as Aomer and him as Bones. And I'm like, come on, this guy. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking like, Judge Dredd. Like, yeah, like yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's a surprisingly versatile actor. Like he's he kind of stays in that action, you know, vein. But he plays like radically different characters in, in everything he does. He's he's, he's great. Um, so do you have any? Plus, it would reunite him and Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although I don't think they they share any scenes. Don't believe yeah. Amber. And, yeah. Right. No, and, no, and, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was actually thinking of uh, so that's funny. Lord of the Rings, duh. I was thinking of um, fucking Thor. <laughs> Oh right, yeah. I didn't. I, I don't even think of him in Thor because he's so again, yeah. he's so different than he usually is. He's so he's, he's so different. He's so goofy in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, do you have anything for uh, for miscellaneous? Not really. I think we just kind of talked about all the things that we we would. And I guess and, and I guess the biggest miscellaneous thing would be the thing that I didn't know is that Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron didn't really see eye to eye, which is very interesting, but. It still worked on screen, so yeah, uh, it it uh, it I, they they kind of I mean they're they're both such skilled actors that you know, maybe it bled over into like the the characters distrust of each other, you know, in, in parts right. of this movie. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they they didn't they didn't really get along. But again, it's it's a situation where it's like they're out there. In the in the again in the desert, they think this movie is going to be absolute shit and like hurt their careers. And you have this, like, George Miller's career was not on a, on a hot streak when they made this movie. You know, they took this was very much a gamble. This is a movie that yeah. he'd been trying to get made for years and years and years and years. Like Mel Gibson was originally supposed to reprise his role, but he, you know, he had his issues. So this right. was meant to be filmed even before that. Yep. And he just couldn't get it. Like he was, you know, he made like happy feet movies and like, you know, he kind of made babe. He made babe too. Like this is how fact that far back. This is like late nineties. that he's trying to get this movie made. It doesn't come out until wow. 2015. So, you know, Jeez. it's, it's, it's a, it was a big gamble. Yeah. And it, it really paid off in spades for everybody, but Let's get to the Oscars. So, so these uh, this ceremony was held in 2016 for movies made in 
released in 2015. Uh, this movie is nominated. It actually wins the most Oscars of its year. Um, it wins for uh, editing. Uh, it wins for makeup and hairstyling. It wins for costume design. It wins for production design. It wins for sound editing, sound mixing. Um, uh, that's what I kind of figured out. Was like this yeah. movie probably won all of the other ones that we usually don't mention? This, yeah. <laughs> so this is. I mean, it's also nominated for best picture. It's yep. nominated for best director. Um. It is nominated for cinematography. What won cinematography that year? The Revenant. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it's nominated for visual effects, which is won by Ex Machina. All right. So let's go through the major categories. So... This is the year where Spotlight wins Best Picture. Uh, other nominees are The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, uh, Mad Max for your for your you say Mad Max Fury Road is nominated, of course. The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. So it's a good year. It's a lot of great movies in there. I would give it to Mad Max. Okay, I don't know what I would choose, but I probably wouldn't choose Mad Max based on the fact that I think that a winner for this year, a winner for any year, you really need to have the power acting as well. And I don't see it in this movie, per se. And not because it doesn't have it, just because it's not needed, which could kind of give it a bump up. But I still think that a major win in that category needs to be like, well, yeah, the script was brilliant, but the acting was fucking phenomenal. Well, and- it's, it's, you know, this is going to be a conversation that carries over into when we talk about this with Dune next week, where it's like the movie wins. It, it looks the best. It sounds the best. It's edited the best. Like it's shot the best. It's right. The, you have a point. You, you know, you definitely like, have how, a point. what more do yeah. we need to do? to be the best movie. The like, other thing it would need would be acting. <laughs> yeah. And again, we've already talked about how, you know, the, the acting is really good in this movie for what it is. You know, this, this script doesn't call for these amazing scenes where there's a, you know, a, a crazy amount of good acting because it doesn't call for it, but that could be the, the, the reason why it doesn't win is because it doesn't have those, those scenes of like, did you see that scene between the two of them? It was so fucking good. It doesn't have it. Not that it needs it, but it, it needs it to win. I think. Sure. No, and I think this year as well, you know, you look at Spotlight that wins and that movie, it's a a very good movie. I really enjoy Spotlight. I'm not too upset with that one, but it is very like transparently about capital I issues. Whereas, you know, and, and that's kind of the, you know, you have the big short that year. You have, you know, Brooklyn, which is about you know, difficulties of immigrants. You have, you know, The Revenant, which is like, had one of the like most powerful Oscar campaigns ever to get Leo as Oscar. And, you know, you have Room, which is about, you know, like a horrifying, like, you know, similar, you know, that's a movie that tackles, you know, horrible masculinity and like strength in the face of it very differently than Mad Max. 
So, you know, it's, it is a tough year. I mean, just looking at other, other movies that, you know, and then of course the Marsh and the funniest comedy of the year. I haven't seen it. So the Martian is a good movie. Um, it's a good movie star performance by Matt Damon. Um, the Golden Globes nominated it for best comedy of the year. And it is not a comedy. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened there. Like what palms were greased or anything like that. But now the Golden Globes are dead. So, you know, whatever. But other movies that year that weren't nominated, we you get the, like Steve Jobs, uh, The Danish Girl. Uh, Creed, uh, Hateful Eight, uh, Ex Machina, Inside Out, Straight Out of Compton. Um, you know, Son of Saul is very interesting. Yep. Sicario. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I, this, this is one of those years. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good year. I, I I still think I would give it to Mad Max, but that's just me. So let's okay. go. Uh, let's I'm, move on. I'm I'm not a, not applicable right now. Okay. Uh, so let's go to Best Director. Uh, Inaritu wins for The Revenant. Miller is nominated for Mad Max. Adam McKay for Big Short. Lenny Abramson for Room, and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. I didn't love The Revenant. I I like that movie a lot, um, and it's funny. Tom Hardy's in that too. Yes. Um, I have to, I've only seen it once, but when I saw, from when I when I did see it, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I got to see it again. Um, but I, I, just because I'm not going with Mad Max for Best Picture, I think that at the very least it should go to the director just because of how much it was put into it. Yeah. Um, so I would be fine with George Miller winning. Yes, I, w- I would give it to Miller here. Um, yeah, I, I like to me. Okay, so I I have I didn't love The Revenant, but it's it's fine. It's good. All right. Um, to me, it very much. I sometimes do have problems with movies that are like this is going to get an Oscar. We're shooting for Oscars. And I, that to me is what the Revenant feels like. It's like, they were like, Leo, we're going to get this fucking statue for you. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of which best actor, uh, Leo wins for the Revenant. Brian Cranston is nominated for Trumbo. Matt Damon in the Martian, Michael Fassbender uh, for Steve Jobs. And Eddie Redmayne for the Danish Girl. Um, I'd kick out Eddie Redmayne from here and and replace uh, him with Tom Hardy, just because I think this was a little past the due date of uh, cisgendered men playing trans women. Um, um, I personally don't think Tom Hardy belongs in this category, not for this movie. Um, I think this goes back to like you know, Harrison Ford in um, Blade Runner were like, it's serviceable. It's good. He did a good job, but I feel like other actors could do it just as good. You know who belongs um, in this category that's not there? 
to Michael B. Jordan and Creed. Yeah, another good performance. I don't know if it's great, though. None of these performances are great. Leo is the best of these five. Um, but I don't think any of these performances are great. Like, is this, is this a, t- like, this is Leo's first Oscar. And yeah, so is, I believe it's only Oscar up to this point. Yeah. Uh, for best actor. Is this a top 10 Leo performance? It might be top 10. It might be. It's is not the top, top five. Is it? Yeah. Not top five. If it's in the top 10, it's in the back half. It's in the back few of the top right, 10. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of it, like it, 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 it's one of those things where it's kind of like the, the 2000, I think it was 2012, where like, does Moneyball win this year because of all the other choices? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you put the Revenant in that, you know, in that grouping of category of nominees, it'd be like, okay, you know, the Revenant, sure, like, let's talk about it, you know, right. but this is, this is, this is a tough year. I don't think it's the strongest year for lead actor, for best actor. Right. Um, best actress. So, Brie Larson wins for Room. Kate Blanchett is nominated in Carol. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence nominated in Joy. Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years. And Shersha Ronan for Brooklyn. Um, Brie Larson wins. I think, I think that, that performance is like phenomenal. Um, I, I could, I mean... It, <sighs> Joy is not very good. Jennifer Lawrence is okay in it. I think that I think she kind of just gets this nomination by being in like the absolute apex of her fame. And you know, this is just a, a movie by a director who usually puts out Oscar movies and she's kind of in there. Right. I would not hate replacing her with Shirley Theron. Again, another situation where I think I guess. I don't think this is top five Charlize Theron by any means. Um, sure, I'm not saying she wins because Brie Larson is right. like, I think runs runs away with it, right? You know, re- regardless, like I don't that, like there's not even I don't think any other movies that 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 deal with best action performances that come close. But let's uh, let's keep going because we're we gonna record yep. another one of these. Uh, best supporting actor. You uh, mean next week? What's that? I said, you mean next week? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Best Supporting Actor, Mark Rylance wins for Bridge of Spies. Christian Bale is nominated for The Big Short. Tom Hardy for The Revenant. Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight. And the person who should have won, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Creed. So. Uh, there's no, there's nothing here for me. Like, I don't think anything should be added to that, Max. You, you don't think... Uh, I think Nicholas Holt misses yeah, it by a little bit. Just, just, just yeah, a little think bit. Holt. I, I think, I think you could make a case for him, but I, I'm thinking it's like just a couple of points under from like a like a really good Oscar worthy performance. Okay, uh, nobody I think really hits for for best supporting actress. Although there are a lot right. of great roles yeah. for 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 actresses in here, they don't get a ton of time. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, you know what? Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee should have won for the Hateful Eight for uh, for this year. Sorry, Alicia Vikander. Um, yeah, was she nominated. She was nominated, but yeah. Okay, good. That's, that's a good at least. Yeah. Okay. So that's the uh, that's the Oscars. Let's uh, go to well, what are you eating with this movie? First of all, I think just some fucking good old fashioned turkey legs. Turkey legs. 
yeah, just some fucking turkey legs. You, you're on the road. You're fucking battling. You want to just sit down and have a fucking dirty meal. You know, I, I really just want a nice cold glass of water after I watch this movie. <laughs> I resented this absence. Good fucking straight up H two O. Yep, high quality H two O. Yeah. All right. All right. So now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we put thirty seconds on the clock. Derek, you tell us why Mad Max Fury Road is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Mad Max Fury Road, George Miller, 2015. This movie does everything that it wants to do, and it does it very, very well. It is one of the purest fun-watching action movies you will ever see in in cinema history. Uh, From beginning to end, it's a complete joyride, crazy, crazy, crazy movie. Um, the acting is very good. Uh, the, the visions are great. All the Academy Awards it wins, they deserve it. Mad Max Fury Road, go see it. And that's a Sunday. <laughs> now that's a Sunday. <laughs> the catchphrase right. that was that that was supposed to be for every episode. <laughs> you immediately decided that's going to be my catchphrase from now on, and then you never got it right again. You know, it, it's kind of like how in Bruce Almighty they wanted you to say. Be beautiful, and I never caught on. Or it's good. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted so literally bad for that to trying, be like the new trying the new to make then. fetch happen. Yeah, uh, already then. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's been our episode on Mad Max Fury Road, week one of the Rick's picks. Uh, next week we are going with the the most recent movie that we've done as a, as a main feed episode here. Uh, and that is going to be Dune. And we're going to have uh, one of our favorite guests uh, back on the show, Joe Boynton. And we are. Just, yep. And uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to die. We're going to, we're going to Arrakis. Fear is the mind killer. We're talking Dune. Um, and then we are going to, speaking of Sylvester Stallone, we're going to talk about the movie that introduced the character he should have been nominated for, uh, for playing, and that is Rocky. Um, and we're going to have Derek's cousin Mark on the show. That's right. Uh, and then let's open July. We're going to have we're going to we're going to take a hard left turn <laughs> uh, into uh, the West. The wild, <laughs> wild west. We're going straight. Yeah, and we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Chris Bonapane on. Uh, you know, one again, another one of our favorite guests, uh, returning guests on the show to to help uh, to help. Uh, you know what? It's the Fourth of July. We're talking Will Smith. So uh, when we schedule this, he had yet to slap a comedian. So. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be a, such a fun episode. Yes, it is. Oh, it's going to be gonna, very. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say straight up. I think we should record that one as a group. Yeah, we can. Uh, we can get together uh, for that one. I think. Uh, yeah. So that's coming up soon. <laughs> can't uh, can't wait for that one. Um, again, want to thank you so much for joining us this week. We hope you join us uh, in the future. I as always, have been your co-host, Mad Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the big, the big, <laughs> Junior, 
the big Fury Road Boski. The Fury Boski. The Fury Boska. Yeah. Immortus Boski. Keep witnessing me, everyone.